Hello, everyone. It's time uh, for part two in this Fuller Story uh, podcast. Uh, last week, um, I played an audio of um, of a panel that I was on with the other guys from the Fuller Story Project, Chris Williamson at Strong Tower Bible Church, Hewitt Sawyers at West Harpeth Primitive Baptist Church, um, Eric Jacobson, who's with the Franklin Battlefield Trust, and um, Joe Howard, who is the sculptor. And we just talked about uh, the fuller story. On this episode, I'm going to play for you the recording from the actual dedication and unveiling of the um, of the statue, which took place on the 23rd of October. It's about an hour and a half long, but I think you'll enjoy it. There's music, there's several different speakers, and then if you can visualize near the end of the statue being uncovered. If you're ever in Franklin, let me know, and I'll take you to the statue. We can talk about it some, but it's a great thing. There's been over a billion hits on this story worldwide. And so um, it's really gotten some traction and we hope that it does some good uh, for people. A big thanks to the city of Franklin who recorded both of these events and then gave me permission uh, to use them on my podcast. So thank you so much uh, to the city uh, for allowing me to do this. I hope you enjoy. Thanks. If you have your Bibles, open them to Amos chapter five. And I wanna read verse 24 where the prophet Amos says, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, justice, justice. The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Led by Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs, affectionately known as Pastor Kevin or Rev Kev, he is the senior pastor of Franklin Community Church and founder of Franklin Community Development in Franklin, Tennessee. He is also a published author, teacher, professor, activist, abolitionist, husband, father, grandfather, scuba diver, and coffee connoisseur, which is why this podcast is brought to you from the Coffee House at 2nd and Bridge in downtown Franklin. Let's begin the conversation. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, come on, Franklin. You can do better than that. Hallelujah. I'm up here with these preachers, it's getting contagious. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. How's that? Welcome to historic Franklin and a historic day in our community. I'm Ken Moore, I'm the mayor of the city of Franklin, and along with our board of mayor and aldermen, I welcome you to this unveiling event. I'm proud to report that our entire board unanimously supported the Fuller Story Initiative. And with their votes, they put their money where their mouth is also. They contributed to this statue, and I applaud them for that initiative. We do have a number of our aldermen here today. I'd ask that they stand for recognition. And if you're an elected official from Frank, for anything in Franklin or Williamson County, please stand up. <laughs> and if you're an elected official from another city or another county, raise your hand. Yes, sir. Today you're gonna hear about the fuller story and why this statue is important. But let me tell you, this is not the end of the story. This is a continuation to tell all of the stories 
that make Franklin a unique community and also be recognized as a leader among the cities across our country. There's not a single avenue. This is one avenue to get where we need to be. But organizations such as Franklin Justice, the public, the Heritage Foundation, the Battle Franklin Trust, the African American Heritage Society, Unite Williamson, the Williamson Remembrance Project, Find Hope Franklin, all of these are organizations that are moving along in parallel tracks at this time. The stories that are going to be told are part of our buildings, it's part of our historic cemeteries, and it's also part of our neighborhoods. And we'll continue to unearth those stories as we move forward as a community. But by telling all of these stories, we build a better community for all. Amen. A community where we can thrive, work, play, and worship. I want to tell you that already Franklin is being recognized as a leader for what we're doing. Today we have Alderman Ricky Keith from Pulaski, Tennessee, who caught wind of what we were doing, and they're in a parallel track to what we're doing along with their mayor's leadership. So welcome, Ricky, and thank you. So we do want to build a community where everyone can thrive, work, play, and worship, and also a place where incivility doesn't exist. So thank you for coming. I'm going to introduce Eric Stuckey, our city administrator, who has a few comments. Good morning. Believe me, it is a good, good day in the all-American city of Franklin, Tennessee. Woo. My name's Eric Stuckey, and it's my honor to serve as Franklin City Administrator, and I just have to stop. As I look out over this crowd, and I just want to give, I want to give God praise. God's creation is diverse, and it's beautiful, and I'm seeing a snippet of it right here, right now. So did I tell you about the time three pastors and a historian walked into City Hall? <laughs> it sounds like a setup for a joke, but it's not. It's real. And there's no punchline. It was serious business. And a little later, you're going to hear from these men who walked into City Hall to tell a fuller story. But I want to personally thank them for their diligence, their perseverance, their grit and their grace that has brought us the fuller story and has brought us to this day. Pastor Hewitt, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Chris, Eric, thank you. I also want to thank a new friend to our community. He's from Ohio, so I really like him. Mr. Joe Frank Howard, the artist whose creation is unveiled today. Thank you, sir, for your inspiration, your faith, and for sharing your talent with us. 
I especially want to thank the Board of Mayor and Alder, and the, the Mayor mentioned it, but I, I can't not recognize their leadership, their votes that made this happen. And yes, each and every one of them put their personal money into donations to this statue and this project. I want to thank them by name. Not all of them were able to be with us, but uh, Mayor Moore, Alderman Clyde Barnhill, Brandy Blanton, Ann Peterson, Beverly Berger, Scott Speedy, Margaret Martin, and Dana McClendon. Let's recognize them too. I do want to mention one thing. Um, Alderman McClendon can't be with us today, but he issued a challenge to the Fuller Story team and to the community when we were going through this process. His words, this statue needs to be in a place of equal nobility to the other monument that's on our square. I think we'll see in a little bit that goal fulfilled. And today I also want to remember the late Pearl Bransford. Pearl also voted in support of this project. Yes. Pearl passed away 11 months ago and we miss her every day. Today, today, October 23rd, is Pearl Bransford's birthday. You can't make this stuff up, folks. I can't think of a better gift for Pearl or for this community. Amen. And amen, that's right. <laughs> And how Pearl would have loved this day, and I know she's smiling down on us. I also want to thank our city team that has worked hard to put the logistics in place for this event, for the placement of these statues, for the placement of the markers. Thank you to our city team. So today we open a new chapter of the Fuller story. Two years ago on this very week, we dedicated five markers in our city square to tell important elements of our history, especially as it relates to African Americans before, during, and after the Civil War. It's all of our history, though. It's not just an African American story. It's a Franklin story. It's a truly American story. Yes, it's a story of challenge, of sadness, a story of injustice and tragedy, but you know what? It's also a story of resilience and reconciliation. It's a story of love and care for one another and for our community. You know, we as a community honor history when we tell more of its stories. We honor one another when we learn from other experiences and perspectives. It's hard to hate somebody when you know their story. The telling of the Fuller story is a platform to not only understand where we've been, but the power and possibilities of our future. You know, nearly 160 years ago, men entered this building as slaves and exited as soldiers. These men became freedom fighters for themselves, for their race, and for our nation, so we could more fully strive to live up to our country's founding ideals of freedom, liberty, equality, and justice for all. 
Today, today we dedicate a statue to these American soldiers. Through it, we begin to tell even more of the Fuller story. Friends, we live in a world and a time that seems so focused on division and difference. My hope is right here, right now, in Franklin, Tennessee, on the square, we show the world a different way. My prayer is that we as citizens of this community continue to strive to hear and to honor one another, to recognize our common humanity and our shared story. When we do this, we better love our neighbor. And by telling the fuller story, we more fully build a community that cares for and about each other and that is truly, truly the best place in America for people of all backgrounds and experiences to call home. Thank you. God bless you, and let's tell our story to the world. Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies Of liberty Let our rejoicing Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us facing the Yet with a steady beat of not a weary feet Come to the place for which our Father 
other side we have come over a way that with tears have been watered we have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered out from the gloomy past till now we stand at last where the white gleam of our bright shore is cast God of we Places our God where we met thee. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy So I'm the historian. I stood on the corner right over there on a warm August afternoon in 2017. And within a few days, I had met Hewitt, Chris, and Kevin. 
And we walked into City Hall to our right shortly thereafter with this crazy idea of telling a broader story about our country and our people and what we had gone through and what we are going through. And it is my job as the historian sometimes to not preach, as Walter often reminds me, but to bring it home. In July of 1852, Frederick Douglass gave a speech in New York City, and he challenged everyone who listened to live up to the creed of the founding. And specifically, and I'm going to quote because it's better to quote than to paraphrase a man like Frederick Douglass, he said, for the present, it is enough to affirm the equal manhood of the Negro race. You declare before the world and you understand by the world to declare that you should hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Fellow citizens, there is no matter in respect to which the people of the North have allowed themselves to be so ruinously imposed upon as that of the pro-slavery character of the Constitution. In that instrument, I hold there is neither warrant, license, nor sanction of the hateful thing known as slavery. Interpreted as it ought to be interpreted, the Constitution is a glorious liberty document. Read its preamble, consider its purposes. Is slavery among them? Is it at the gateway or is it in the temple? It is neither. While I do not intend to argue this question, let me ask, if the Constitution were intended to be as its framers and adopters intended, a slaveholding instrument, why neither slavery, slaveholding, nor slave can anywhere be found in it? These are the words of Frederick Douglass, at that point, perhaps the leading abolitionist in America. He knew the purpose and intent of the founding of the country, but he was challenging the white community to stand up and live up to the promise of the Declaration and of the Constitution. And that slavery was a decidedly antithetical idea toward freedom, liberty, and equality. It stood in contrast to Augustine, uh, a just and loving God. He was challenging the Christians in the white community to stand up and join but he was not alone five years later Abraham Lincoln who had ascended to the national stage because he would not stop talking about the immorality and wrongness of slavery wrote a letter to a friend named Joshua Speed and he says our progress in degeneracy appears to me to be pretty rapid as a nation we began by declaring that all men are created equal we now practically read it that all men are created equal except Negroes 
soon it will read all men are created equal except Negroes and foreigners and Catholics. When it comes to this, I should prefer to emigrate to some other country where they make no pretense of loving liberty. To Russia, for instance, where despotism can be taken pure and without the base alloy of hypocrisy. What Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln were talking about was the great contradiction that slavery of an entire race meant when juxtaposed against the founding documents of this country. But they weren't just addressing a contradiction, they were addressing a growing movement of people in this country who believed that they should separate and form their own to forever protect slavery. And thus the war came. John Brown said the guilty the crimes of this guilty land will be purged away but with blood. He was right. And by 1862, Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass had begun to forge a working relationship. And Douglass pushed him and pushed him and pushed him to realize the promise. By 1862, the President of the United States was dealing with a full-fledged crisis on his hands. Already hundreds and hundreds of thousands dead and wounded. The land literally awash in blood. And it became very clear to the Lincoln administration that the United States could possibly win the war and put down this rebellion. And yet slavery would still exist. How could he let that be? He suggested a number of ideas, knowing full well, as he did, a man from the north of the prejudice and bigotry that even existed there. He suggested moving slaves back to Africa, to which Frederick Douglass said, I don't want to go to Africa. I was born here. This is my home. And soon they begin to craft one of the most revolutionary documents in the history of the world. I've often said it was arguably the most important and famous executive order of all time. The Emancipation Proclamation. And when the administration released the Emancipation Proclamation, it sent shockwaves across the Old South, right here in Franklin, Tennessee. Because to the enslaved, the legal technicalities meant little. It meant freedom. To white Southerners, it was full proof that Abraham Lincoln was the very threat they had warned about. A great white emancipator rising up to free four million people. But one of the provisions of the proclamation, often forgotten, you might as well call it the Frederick Douglass Clause, allow black men not only to wear the uniform of the United States Army and Navy, but put a gun in their hands. This, to many white Southerners, was a sort of unholy terror. And black men began to enlist by the thousands. 
By the summer of 1863, tens of thousands had already enlisted. They continued to enlist through 63 and through 1864. The work that we have done here, the work that we have, the work that we have done over the last four years, has not been just to create a fuller story. It has not been just to work on interpretive markers. It has not been just to cast a statue. It has been to tell the story of millions of people, soldiers, wives, mothers, fathers, children, friends, millions of people whose dreams live through and within the fuller story. It is about them as much as it is about those who picked up the uniform and picked up the rifle and went off to fight. But fight they did. Fight they did. They fought in innumerable places through 1864. Bryce's Crossroads, Tupelo, The Crater, Petersburg, Newmarket Heights, and they fought just up the road at the Battle of Nashville two weeks after the Battle of Franklin. Scores were killed. Many were wounded. Many died of disease. These men, by the end of the war, these 180,000 black men, had not only fought for their own freedom, they had fought to save the United States of America when they themselves were not yet citizens. Could there be, could there be a more noble cause than that? Let me finish with this. We met mostly support through this effort. But we met some resistance. But so did USCT soldiers who came home from the war, the victors. They were murdered in Louisiana. They were murdered in Mississippi. They were murdered in Tennessee. They were the first of the post-war resistance. They live in all of us today. They stood up for what was right in 1863, 64, and 65, and they were doing it in 1865, and 1875, and 1885, and they continued to do it. Their sons and grandsons would serve this country in the Spanish-American War, in World War I, in World War II, in segregated units. Those were the men who came home from that great war and pushed the envelope that began the modern civil rights movement. They live in all of us. There was resistance, but the resistance is crumbling. This crowd is proof of that. If only men like Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, could see this day and the progress that has been made. America has always been its richest when it is its broadest and most honest and dare I say more inclusive. Franklin has led the way in many efforts. I think this is Franklin's proudest day and proudest achievement. Thank you.
It is now the three preachers' turns. So, uh, you know, uh, get comfortable. Five minutes? Five, who said five minutes? All right, I'll go ahead and say this. I'm almost done, so you know when a pastor says that, he's lying. So I'm almost done. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't sleep last night, um, and it wasn't because of excitement. It was a heavy burden of the responsibility of this moment. I've told people maybe next weekend I'll come and look at the statue and enjoy it, but the, the heaviness in this good day, it's a great day, but just the responsibility of what we're doing here is huge. Four years ago, I stood at this very spot and said something um, that got myself in a lot of trouble. Um, my family was worried about me. I was receiving threats. Uh, my church was so concerned about me that one Sunday when I got up to preach, they interrupted, took over, surrounded me in prayer for protection. We're all part of the body of Christ. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet. I think my role in the body of Christ is that I'm the irritable bow. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd get an amen out of the mayor out of that one, but I... Amen, brother. <laughs> Let me back up just a little bit to, to, to tell a story that I, th I hope makes sense of why this is so important, this march to freedom and this, and this statue. <clears throat> Several years ago, after our Martin Luther King Day... Um, service at First Missionary Baptist uh, down on Natchez where we have that every year um, and then we march from First Missionary to this square uh, down Columbia turn right on Main Street at five points and come on down as we were marching and walking I was walking beside a African-American friend of mine an older gentleman who's also a pastor his name is not Hewitt it's another one um, <clears throat> and when we turned the corner at five points and started walking through downtown Franklin he looked at me and he said you ever come to downtown Franklin? And I kind of looked at him like, "Why? Do you ever come down here?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I, pretty regularly. I, you know, I, there's some restaurants I like to eat at, and and my wife and I like to come down here and, and just walk around the, the square." He said, and he was born and raised in Williamson County. Older African American gentleman, pastor, and he said, "I'll never come down here." What? Yeah, I don't really know why. I mean, as, as, as children growing up, we were just kind of an unwritten rule. You didn't come down to Franklin, and now as an adult, it's just, there's just nothing for me down here. I just never come down here. And as he told me that, as we were walking down um, the street, I started thinking of some stories that I'd heard from Hewitt, um, from Mary Mills, from Thelma Battle, and other people who would talk about their, where I'm standing being a colored water fountain and a white water fountain, colored restroom, water, um, white restroom. If you went to the theater, the blacks sat up, upstairs, the, the whites downstairs. Even I remember Hewitt telling me going to Gray's Drugs to get ice cream and he'd have to go to the back of the store to get it. There was no reason to come down here. But there is now. 
<laughs> so when we started the Fuller Story Project, if, if you know me, you know our, our church has a community center on Natchez and a group home on Natchez. And, and for whatever reason, God has called this tall white guy to give his life to the Natchez Hard Bargain Cherokee Communities. And so as I was walking the streets, we would tell people what we're doing with the fuller story. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put up this statue. Here's what I heard over and over again from the African Americans in the city. They're, they're like, Pastor, and you know we love you. <laughs> we know that, that, that you've got a good heart, but there ain't no way the city is going to put a statue of a black man in downtown. And they said that over and over. And I was, I was like, wow, you just don't understand, Pastor. That, that's just not, we appreciate you, but that ain't going to happen. And so it took a while to convince the, the, the community to come and support this. And so that's why one of my highlights of all of this is the last meeting we had with the, uh, mayor, the Board of Mayor and Aldermen when uh, there was a bunch of us. We filled City Hall, mainly African Americans, with these blue shirts um, to, uh, with, with the, on the back of the blue shirt, a silhouette of a USCT soldier on the front of the blue shirt, it's the right thing to do. And we crowded that city hall with those blue, with those blue t-shirts. And the city voted unanimously to do this. And, and they just erupted in applause. This can't happen, but yes, it can. And so, and so really, uh, here's what I want to uh, leave with you. The, the fuller story, there's really three phases to the fuller story. Impossible, possible, done. <laughs> All right, say, say, that, say that with me, okay? If I, was, if I was in church, I'd have my PowerPoint because I can't really talk without a PowerPoint. And I would say, you need to write these three things down. All right, so say this with me. Impossible, possible, done. <laughs> but really, we're not done. <laughs> this part is done. But there are still social issues in our community that have to be addressed. And so we're still marching toward freedom. And as long as, in our community, as long as there is one child who is left behind in our schools, there is still marching to do. In our city, as long as there is one family who has to sleep in their car in one of our parks, there is marching to do. In our city, where there are people who work in our city but cannot afford to live in our city, there is marching to do. Today we celebrate. But tomorrow, we continue our march to freedom, equality, liberty, and justice for all. Wow, that crowd is bigger than I thought it was. <laughs> We're glad to be here today, and 
and so elated at this opportunity to share the fuller story. I want to talk about the fuller story from a, a more personal standpoint because out of the three preachers and the historian that started uh, this situation uh, with the fuller story, I'm the only one, I guess, that's a native of Williamson County. Uh, I've been here all of my life except for a few years that I went away to go to work. But I was born in College Grove. <laughs> Somebody knows where that is. All right. And uh, I went to school in, at Natchez High. Uh, that, that, is now <laughs> that is now Claiborne Hughes Nursing Home. But I want to tell you how this fuller story impacts me as a, as a local person. When you lived in College Grove, so to speak, you were in the country then, and you came to Franklin or came to town on the weekend whether you needed to or not. And when we came to town, my daddy would come in to town and when we drove in here, the only thing you would be able to see is chip when you drove down the street. And what I really want to talk about is conditioning. As a young kid, I was conditioned. Kevin talked about it a little bit. I was conditioned to see that Confederate statue. I was conditioned when I came into the courthouse here with colored water fountains, colored bathrooms. I was conditioned with going to the alley to order food out of the back door of restaurants. I was conditioned to all of those things, even going to the theater and having to go upstairs. I was conditioned, in other words, to know where my place was. But as we look at the fuller story, we became a group that went to the city. And the city, I have to give them credit, the board of May and Alderman, it took some time. But as we pleaded with them to understand where we wanted to go, they caught the spirit. And they understood where we wanted to go. The markers that are out here, people are getting to see those markers and read those markers and understand what history is all about. And now the combination of those markers with this statute of a USCT soldier, someone who went into the basement of this building 
you've heard and got papers that came out and became a soldier that fought a battle for freedom for themselves and for others. This soldier is now here. What am I talking about? I'm talking about imagery. The imagery that I saw as a boy that shaped know where my place was. I want to tell you now that we have a different imagery here. We have markers that are telling a different history. We have a statute here that's telling us that it's a new day. It's a brand new day. I want you to know today that this statute to tell us today that things are not changing. They have already changed. My prayer now is not just for the residents of Williamson County, the adult residents. As you come to and fro in this space here and you read the markers, and when this statute is unveiled, the impact that it's going to make on you. at those who come because Franklin now is a destination city for visitors. I'm wanting visitors to see what Franklin has done. But most importantly for the next generation I'm looking for a change that's going to come for the next decade. Because minds and hearts are going to be changed. I'm looking for people to know that Franklin is on the map. And Franklin is going to be the one where the wheel is going to turn. There's a passage in scripture where the Bible talks about that we are on a wheel. And God is pedaling the wheel. And when we come off the wheel, we're going to be a brand new vessel because God is changing us. And I want you to know that Franklin now has been changed.
Kettle Praise. That group is called Kettle Praise for a reason. Because the slaves would go out into the fields and into the woods to worship their way. Where they could be free and rely on their African ancestry and heritage. But because they would get a little loud sometimes. They would hang blankets on the branches to muffle the sound. As they would shout before the Lord and shout out their frustration, their pain, their sorrow. And sometimes they would even sing into kettles. Out of the tradition found in the book of Revelation where the Bible says that the prayers of the saints are stored in golden jars. So they would sing into the kettles and sing into the pots and pray into the pots their prayers their frustration their tears i'm so glad that god heard their prayers amen and i'm also glad that franklin is making national news for something good amen amen I hope President Biden makes a comment about what's going on here this morning. Amen. <laughs> the God I serve is the God of history. As a matter of fact, history is his story. That's right. And he has a way, an impeccable way, 
of taking painful things in our history, like slavery, like war, and working it to a redemptive end. Providence has been defined as the invisible hand of God in the glove of history, moving and working and putting things together so that he gets the glory and man gets the good. He may not always do it when we want or how we want, but he's always on time. And in Joshua chapter 4, the children of Israel under Joshua's leadership, they're making their way into the promised land. And just like the generation before under Moses had to go through a body of water called the Red Sea, Joshua's generation had to go through a body of water called the Jordan River. And at this time, the Jordan River happened to be at flood stage. And it was swelling on the banks. And God told them, I'm going to do a miracle for this generation just like I did for the previous generation. But first, you got to put your feet in the water. <laughs> because nothing won't happen until you put your feet in the water. You can pray all you want, but if you don't pray with your feet, ain't nothing going to happen. So they put their feet in the water. And the waters stopped, and they piled up in a heap. And not only did the water stop and the waters part, like with Moses, God made the land dry. Because he don't want his children having muddy feet. <laughs> and he let them walk through on dry land to the other side towards their destiny in the promised land. But since God is a God of history, he said, this is what I want you to tell the people, Joshua. Grab 12 leaders, one from each tribe of Israel. Let them go into the dry riverbed. Take out a stone, one each, 12 stones all together. Bring those stones to the other side of the promised land. So that when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You can say to your children, our God has wrought a great victory for us. And the same God who brought us through is the same God who will take us in. What do these stones mean? Tell your children, teach your children what these stones mean. Well, I'm here to say when our children ask, what does this statue mean? Because God is the God of history. God is the God who is into memorials. We tell our children what this statue means. This statue represents the nearly 200,000 men who bravely fought for our country, for their freedom, and for the freedom of 4 million enslaved people in this country. What does this statue mean? This statue means hope. It means courage, it means possibility, it means dignity, it means valor. And as Pastor Sawyer said, it means a new day. You see, when the USCT soldiers would go out to war, they would march, just like the other soldiers. But when they would march, they had a different rhythm and swag in their cadence. Because they would sing songs that they learned on the plantation. Songs that they sang out in the bush when they would just sing freely before God. 
those songs, we call them Negro spirituals. But they call them psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And although many of them could not read, they were able to receive the faith orally and sing the faith and pass the faith on to their children. Talking about Moses going down to Egypt land. Sending signals to other slaves about an escape by singing Wade in the water. Oh, they were smarter than the slave master thought. Not only did they talk to God through music, they talked to one another. And it's been recorded that a colonel, because black soldiers could not be elevated to that place, they had to be subjected to white leadership as they were in the army, as they were in the navy. One colonel, the story is told, took notice of how the United States Colored Troop soldiers in his regiment would prepare for battle. And they would do that by singing songs. And he took note. And he heard them singing a song which goes, Ride on King Jesus. No man cannot hinder me. Ride on King Jesus. Ride on. No man cannot hinder me. And as they sang this song over and over again, clapping in unison together, boldness and courage began to rise up in their bosom. In a sense, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that anointed David to kill Goliath. And they would go forth marching and singing, Ride on King Jesus, no man cannot hinder me. Ride on King Jesus, ride on, no man cannot hinder me. They had images of Jesus coming into Jerusalem riding triumphantly on a donkey. But they also had images of King Jesus riding into Jerusalem from heaven on a white horse. Ride on, King Jesus. No man cannot hinder me. And if no man can hinder you, Jesus, I know nobody can hinder me. And then because they knew they could die in combat. They did a remix back then and added another Negro spiritual into that song. And they would say, in that great getting up morning, fare thee well, fare thee well. In that great getting up morning, fare thee well, fare thee well. Well, I want to say to our statue, we don't have a name for him. He, right now, he's just representing marching to freedom. And I want to say to my brother, Ride on, my brother. No man can hinder you. Ride on, my brother. Ride on. No man can hinder you. As a matter of fact, it's not in the great getting up morning in the future. It's in this great getting up morning right here, right now, that we see freedom experienced and realized in this city to send shockwaves throughout this country. It's going to start right here. It's already happening in Pulaski, where the KKK was founded. They caught a wind of something that was going on here, and now it's spreading. That's how truth goes. That's how love goes. That's how hope goes. That's how peace goes. It's a new day. Ride on, King Jesus. Ride on. And the man who helped make this a reality for us. When you see this sculpture, when you see his face, it's going to bless you. We didn't want him on a pedestal 20 feet in the air. 
We made it clear we wanted him down on our level. Where you could see him. You could see the dirt on his uniform, the rips in his pants, the wrinkles in his rugged boots. You could see his tattered beard. You could see the wisdom in his eyes, the tenacity in his spirit. But above all, you could see his personhood. You could see his character, his value. And I'm so thankful for Joe Frank Howard. God touched him, God blessed him, God used him. And when you see him, pictures can't express what you're about to see. So brothers and sisters, would you help me welcome our artist, our sculptor, our visionary, Joe Frank Howard. After all that, I have to say, whoo, Lord. <laughs> a lot of energy in here this morning. I'm going to take a second if I can or two. Just allow me to do it. I just want to look at this. This is my emotional moment. These men have gone through four years of making this to become a reality. Four years of whatever struggles they had to go through because I wasn't here to experience it. But I know from where I came from they had to go through something. I never would have dreamed a young man like me, born on my grandfather's farm in Paris, Tennessee, by a midwife, which I'm so proud to tell everybody that. I'm so thankful so thankful. Oh, Lord. Like I say, bear with me. I, I'm just getting started. <laughs> bear with me. Bear with me. Oh, Lord. But yes, as I said, born in Paris. I was born in Paris, Tennessee. Raised in Columbus, Ohio. But I got something to tell you about it. I know that I was chosen to do this piece. I didn't look for, to look for it, it found me. When I tell you about what in, what's in Columbus, <laughs> my name is Joe Frank Howard. I went to Frank Linton Elementary School. I was raised in Franklin County and I've come back to Franklin, Tennessee. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle. It's such an honor for me to have had the opportunity to create this piece. It was an emotional piece because of knowing what it, what it stands for. 
And artists, you know, we work from our inner to our out. It's what's in that comes to our hands. And it was emotional peace for me. I had my struggles in doing it. Had a little studio, couldn't keep no heat in it. I'm wondering what am I going to do to do this piece? So I spoke to my wife and I said to her, I said, Laura, what am I going to do? I said, can I use the dining room in the house to do this piece? She didn't hesitate. She said, do what you got to do. <laughs> so bless her heart. <laughs> bless her heart. Oh, God. I'm just so honored, so honored. I could say so many things, but the one thing I can say about this, I know four years of these men working together, going through their various struggles. To me, I'm gonna say it's like a birth. You know the oh, she's ready for child. And it's a joy to see as she goes on and her body starts to change as their program started to change. But you know there's a day coming. A day coming when it's gonna bring forth birth. That day has come because when that's unveiled, the birth is gonna be here. The birth is gonna be here. I hope all of you can appreciate it. And most of all, for what it means I speak to all of, you, all of you that have children. Let your children know the fuller story of history. That's what makes us a richer country, is that we tell the whole story. You know, as parents, sometimes, you know, you don't want to tell your children everything. But there comes a time, you, you say, I'm going to tell you now. So I just say, tell your children when that now time comes, there's more to the story than what you're reading in your history books. So for now, I'm not going to go any further. I feel like I want to go somewhere, but in truth, right now, I'm so full of joy, I don't know exactly which way to go. So I just want to say to you, thank you so much, Fuller Story, for the opportunity of, and for choosing me to do this. Because uh, as I say, I have a tendency to say I'm full of bubbles. And right now, I'm full of bubbles of joy. So thank you so much. And thank you. thank you. All right. We've come to that time. I also want to take a moment to thank God for those who created the base on which our statue stands. A local company a movement fostered by a black individual leader in our community because we wanted a black sculptor to create this. God even provided a black leader to make the base in a local company here. So when you see the base, the base is granite, gold letters, it's beautiful. So can we give it up for the folks who made the base as well? And they did it in a short amount of time to get it done. Well, all right, children, I need Cameron, Camden, Millie, Kaya, Callie, Mary Catherine to come around the statue.
They are going to pull back the veil. Our future is going to pull back the veil. All right, Joe. The, the, the uh, color troop soldiers are coming. The color troop soldiers are also coming to provide security. <laughs> to provide security. <laughs> All right. All right. Amen. Here they come. And I want to thank God for my friend Vincent Baker. Um, he's done so much for this cause. This is Vincent right here, everybody. This is my base maker right here. All right. Brother Joe, count them down. All right. Get ready, folks. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Unveil. March to Freedom. Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, y'all. Come on now.
may we pray? Gracious God, what an awesome God you are. We bow in humble submission to you today, thanking you for this awesome expression of your love, thanking you, God, for how you have orchestrated this full of story and how you have brought us to this point today in this celebration. Knowing God, if it had not been for you on our side, we don't know where we would be. But God, knowing that you look beyond our faults and you provide for our needs, thank you, Father, for this wonderful city where we live. We thank you, God, for how we have been able to work together. Thank you for my brothers that we have been able to work together and you have planted this thought within us. But you didn't let us hanker on this thought ourselves. But you allowed us to share the thought with others. And then God, you gave seed and growth to that thought. And then God, you watered it. You grew it. And then God, you let it blossom. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. And then God, you brought it to tenfold and sixtyfold and today it's sitting on a statue here at a hundredfold today. Now Father, we offer ourselves to you, not just us, but all of this crowd here today, we offer ourselves to you that as we go forward, that this is not going to be just a place of stopping, but a stay, a place of beginning. That we're going to go forward now, God. And we're going to make this what you would have it to be. That we're going to march on to freedom. We're going to keep marching. We're going to find where you want us to go. And we're going to knock down barriers. We're going to love people that we haven't loved before. We're going to hug people we haven't hugged before. We're going to move, Lord, in areas where we haven't moved before. Thank you for this start. Thank you for where we're going to go. We love you, we praise you, and we give you glory in the name of Jesus, our Christ. And we say amen. Amen.
Floods of Justice is part of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. The Tennessee Holler provides relentless coverage, shining a light on injustices throughout Tennessee. Find them online at www.tnholler.com. Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin.